0: Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Gartner. The Jewish world is reading from the fifth book of the Torah, the last book of the Torah, that book, known in English as Deuteronomy, has two Hebrew names. Sefer Devarim, short for Sefer Ve'elech HaDavarim. These are the words taken from the opening phrase. And Mishnah Torah, repetition of the Torah. And that is the source of the English word Deuteronomy. It consists of five retrospective discourses and poems that Moses addressed to Israel in Moab shortly before his death, as described in Deuteronomy. Plus, it has two narratives about his final acts. The book's core is the second discourse, in which Moses conveys laws that the people commissioned him to receive from God at Sinai some 40 years earlier. There are 12 portions in 12 weekly portions in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me share with you some of the themes from the book of Deuteronomy before we turn to this week's portion known as Akev. Theme number one exclusive loyalty to Adonai. Among the Torah's books, it is the most vigorous and clear advocate of monotheism, of ardent exclusive loyalty that Israel owes to God. Deuteronomy 40 and 6.4.5 emphasize God's love, justice, and transcendence. This book stresses the covenant between God and Israel, summed up in Deuteronomy 26, verses 16 through 19. Established with the patriarchs, affirmed at Sinai and in Moab, it is reaffirmed as soon as Israel enters the Promised Land, in Deuteronomy 4.31. Deuteronomy also looks towards Israel's life in the land of Israel. And that is certainly the second theme, where a society pursuing justice and righteousness, living in harmony with God and enjoying his bounty, should be established. The promise of this land is conditional, according to Deuteronomy 11. Israel's welfare depends on maintaining a society governed by God's social and religious laws, These laws are a divine gift to Israel, unparalleled in their justice and their ability to secure God's closeness. The Torah's humanitarianism is developed in Deuteronomy's concern for the welfare of the poor and disadvantaged. The third theme seems to be centralized worship. Deuteronomy proclaims the unique role that sacrifice may take place only in the religious capital, in a single sanctuary. This is proclaimed in Deuteronomy 12. Its aim is to spiritualize religion by freezing it from excessive dependence on sacrifice and priesthood. It urges instead studying God's law and performing rituals that teach reverent love for God. These teachings probably laid the groundwork for the non-sacrificial synagogue-based worship. Deuteronomy has a strong intellectual orientation that serves as the fourth theme. It urges all Israelites to study God's law. Its style is didactic and sermonic explaining the meaning of events and purposes of laws to secure Israel's willing understanding and assent. Judaism and Deuteronomy seem to go together. Deuteronomy strongly influenced later Jewish tradition, which is known as Judaism. The core of Jewish worship is the recitation of the Shema, found in chapter 6, verse 4, and the public reading of the Torah rooted in chapter 31, verse 11. Also, based on Deuteronomy, are the duty of blessing God after meals, known in Hebrew as birkatamazon, which is found in Deuteronomy 8.10, the Kiddush, a prayer of sanctification on Shabbat found in Deuteronomy five twelve, affixing a mezuzah to doorposts, wearing to fill in or as sometimes called phylacteries, found in Deuteronomy six and Deuteronomy eleven. Tzitzit, the fringes on the prayer shawl found in Deuteronomy twenty-two and Charity to the Poor, found in Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy seems to be the source of the concept that religious life should be based on a sacred book and its study, as the biblical book that deals most explicitly with beliefs and attitudes. It plays a major role in Jewish theology. In the theological-ethical introduction of this digest of Jewish law, the Mishnah Torah, Maimonides cites Deuteronomy more than any other book, starting with the command to believe in God and God alone. Deuteronomy's effect on Jewish life cannot be overstated. No idea has shaped Jewish history more than monotheism, which this book asserts so passionately. Those are the main themes of Deuteronomy, The book of Deuteronomy will be read up until Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and beginning with Rosh Hashanah and following through the cycle of fall festivals, the end of Deuteronomy will be interspersed. Although this year, Jewish holidays will fall on Shabbat, and the cycle of Torah readings is a bit. Uh, different from previous years. In subsequent shows, we'll speak about the cycle of Torah readings. So now let's turn to Akev. Akev, which is the third Torah reading in the book of Deuteronomy of the 12, we find it in Deuteronomy 7 through the end of Deuteronomy 11. Moses continues with his speech to the Israelites. We read the following. It will come to pass as a result of your hearing these Ten Commandments and carrying them out with care that God will keep you, keep with you this covenant. God will love you and bless you and multiply you. God will bless the fruit of your body, your soil, grain, wine, oil, and animals, You will be blessed more than any other people at this time. But Moses continues and warns the people, You will have to annihilate many people. Your eyes shall not feel any mercy for them, so that you will not serve their God. This is a trap for you. Don't fear them, for God your God is a great and awesome God. God will deliver them up before you, and you shall destroy them. The images of their God shall burn in fire. Do not lust after the silver and gold that is upon them, and take it for yourself, for it is an abomination to God. One can hear the powerful call for monotheism, and through the destruction of the polytheistic idol-worshippers, the people will be able to live harmoniously on the land. Remember, Moses tells the Israelites, the entire path along which God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. God let you go hungry, then gave you manna in order to have you know that it is not by bread alone that man can make life for himself, but that man can live by everything that comes from God Therefore, hold fast upon your heart the knowledge that as a man trains his son, so does God train you. Moses also continues to remind the Israelites to keep the commandments to walk in God's way and to fear God. For your God is bringing you into the good land, a land in which you will lack for nothing. When you eat and are satisfied, then bless God for the good land that God has given you the sabbata. Once you are satisfied, you shall bless God, is the way the text reads. Take heed not to forget God by keeping God's commandments. For when you have all you need, your spirit might become haughty, and you might forget God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves. You might forget the way God gave you manna and water from the rocks. You may be tempted to say in spirit, it was my own power, the might of my own hand that has gotten me this wealth. Therefore, the text reminds the Israelites, remember that it is God who gave you the power to get wealth in order to uphold the covenant, a powerful reminder in these days when so many have so much and so many more have so little. It will come to pass, Moses continues, that if you should nevertheless forget God and walk after other gods and serve them and bow to them, then I will bear witness to you today that you will certainly perish. Like the nations that God will cause to perish before you, so you will perish. Your survival is dependent on your loyalty to Adonai. In the promised land there will be nations that are greater and mightier than you, says Torah. Do not say in your heart, when your God thrusts them away from before you, because of my devotion to duty did God bring me to take possession of the land. No, it is because of the wickedness of these nations that God drives them from before you. God drives them away to fulfill the word that God swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this, of course, becomes uh, part of the Passover Seder. For you are a stiff-necked people, God says to them. Remember how you provoked God and rebelled against God, and God wanted to destroy you. Remember when you gave me the two stone tablets the tablets of the covenant, only to find that you had built a golden calf to be your God. I broke those tablets and melted your God in such anger as to turn it into power and threw it into the water. God had me return, says Moses, to the mountain, and make new tablets with the Ten Commandments and place them into the Aron HaKodesh, the Ark, to be taken care of by the Levites. It was an ark that was made with great precision, and we carried it from place to place throughout the wilderness, as Moses continues to remind the Israelites of their journey. So now, what does God require of you? Only to fear God, to walk in all God's ways, and to love God, and to serve God with all your heart and with all your soul. Keep these commandments for your own good. Behold... It is your God that heavens and earth belong to. Therefore, do not stiffen your necks anymore, says the text, for your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. God is the great and mighty and feared God, who does not consider personal standing, accepts no bribes, but upholds the right of the widow and the orphan and the stranger, You too shall love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Therefore love God, for you saw that God did for you in the wilderness, and before when bringing you out of slavery with miracles. The word love is repeated many times in this week's Torah portion, as well as the word commandment, where the commandments were given in love. So keep these commandments as you enter the promised land, a land that can flow with milk and honey. This is the land for which God cares. The eyes of God are always upon it. If you will serve God with all your heart with all your soul, then I will give rain and the plants will grow and be harvested and you shall eat and be satisfied. But do not turn aside and serve other gods and cast yourselves down before them. Then the anger of God will be kindled upon you. Even though, the text reminds us, you must place these words upon your heart and upon your soul. This begins the phrase known as the via And bind them as a sign upon your hand. And let them be for frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your sons and speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk upon the way and when you lie down and when you get up. This prayer, known as the Ziahavta, is recited three times a day by traditional Jews, and it continues, Write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates, which gives us leeway to the practice of the mezuzah, so that the days of your children may be long and endure in the Promised Land. If you keep these commandments... God will put fear of you into all the lands where you set foot. Well, that is a powerful reminder of God's acting in history, of the God who is both transcendent and imminent, God who is far away and yet is able to bring the Israelites through his love and commandments to the promised land. So let me speak a bit about the accomplishments of the Israelites and that are not solely the result of their own efforts. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell seeks to expose how random factors beyond our control make some of us more likely to succeed than others. His classic example in the book... More Major League Baseball players have been born in August than any other month. Why? Because until 2006, Little League Baseball age cutoff date was July 31st. Meaning that if you were born in August, you were older and bigger and better than the other players on your team. All because of the happy accident of your birthday. Gladwell seeks to undermine the narrative that the most successful among us, the singular talents who supposedly rise from nothing, succeed because of their grit and gumption, because of their unparalleled genius and unusual gifts. Far too often these fanciful stories, according to Gladwell, conceal hidden advantages that were essential to a person's success. Hidden advantages like an August birthday, One could call the Torah the granddaddy of all riches, rags-to-riches stories, chronicling the Israelites' journey from the bitter slavery in Egypt to the sweet success of the land of milk and honey. And in this parasha, Ekev, we find the children of Israel on the the cusp of their greatest triumph to date. At long last, after 4,400 years of slavery, and 40 years of trekking through the wilderness, they are about to enter the Promised Land. The Torah tells us many times the reason for this ascendancy. The mighty hand and the outstretched arm of God. We are told that God chose the children of Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Yet for many of us, the notion that Jews are uniquely cherished by God as among the challenge, most challenging ideas in our theology. It smacks of conceit and Jewish superiority. It doesn't feel right. It's gotten us into trouble. Why were we chosen? What makes us so special? Certainly, in the history of Christianity... These questions were crucial in its relationship with Judaism. A Midrash, a story-like commentary, in a collection of Midrashim entitled Pirkei de Rabbi Ezer, offers a paradigm-shifting answer. One day, God and the angels gathered to decide who among them would represent each of the nations of the world. They chose to assign each nation by casting lots. The first angel picked the Moabites, the second the Jebusites, the third the Edomites, and so on. Until finally it came God's turn to pick, and who should God's lot fall upon? The children of Israel. In other words, the story tells us Jews won the divine lottery. That's it, dumb luck which is why it is all the more prescient when Moses warns the Israelites in this week's parasha not to forget the genesis of their good fortune after they reach the promised land. He says to them, when you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses to live in, and your herds and flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold have increased, and everything you own has proffered, Beware, lest your heart grow haughty, and you forget the eternal, your God, and say to yourselves, My own power, the might of my own hand, has made for me this fortune. Studies have shown that simply being prompted to think about the role of fortune in our success makes us more generous to others and more willing to give our time and resources to common good. When we externalize the cause of our achievements, we realize how much we owe to the world. Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer certainly offers us that kind of answer regarding God's relationship to the Israelites. So inspired by Parashat Akef one should think of what we have recently accomplished. Think of the factors beyond our own personal control that contributed to our accomplishments. Loving parents, a supportive partner, an outstanding teacher, the job that opened up at just the right moment, or perhaps during these challenging times of a pandemic. We should think of being privileged by, with regard to resources that makes us able to withstand the vagaries of the virus. And, as it is often the tradition in Judaism, the Shema is recited at the end of each day, and the great Black American poet Maya Angelou wrote, let gratitude be the pillow upon which you say your nightly prayer. Parashat Inkev reminds us of how grateful we should be for the blessings that God has endowed us with. That not by our own hand have we achieved success as a people, and have we achieved our longevity, but by our faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to us. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a podcast of this morning's show on iTunes, or it is repeated on the CHRI website, Sh-h-r-i-dot-ca. shalom and have a good day